This podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. Frankly, if it doesn't, I'll be f***ing surprised. Okay, so I figured that if I was going to ask my friends whether I could trawl through their old letters, I really should be prepared to face the music myself. Hello, I'm author Ed Payne, and whilst I've always written, I haven't always been a good writer. My good friend Sophie and I are going to read some of my earlier works and see whether I was a born novelist or whether it took some extra work. This is Dear Me, Postscriptum. Influence episode one. Right, welcome to um, another edition. Well, our first edition actually of the wonderful Dear Me Postscriptum, which is a podcast that clears up all the extra bits. Can you hear my bulldog snoring in the background? Um, it's picking up all the extra bits from the Dear Me um, guest list, I suppose, if that's what we can call it. Um, so, I'd like, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my special star guest for this evening. Welcome to our sofs. Thank you very much. Thanks oh, for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I can't believe you agreed to do it. You're so busy at the moment. Oh, very busy. It's all biscuits and loose women over here. Is it? Yeah. What kind of biscuits? Uh, custard creams are my favourite. Oh, They're goodness. not going to shift the baby weight though, are they? They're not. Won't buy the baby a new bonnet, will it? <laughs> so... Can you give us an idea, because you and I have known each other for a while, but we, we've known each other in the kind of social media sphere, haven't we? We have. We haven't really been into the letter writing, have we? No. So I thought what might be a good idea for this particular podcast is to actually uh, read through something that I've written. And what a treat it is. <laughs> It's a, a book that I decided to write when I was 13 years old. So I've been a writer, like, forever. When I was young, I was writing plays, poems, short stories. No, no, this, novellas. Was this your first novel? Well, I hasten to use the word novel, if I'm honest. Okay. Novella at best. Okay. Uh, I don't think it was my first. Usually, um, you know, I'd, I'd write a... a a story about my parents' divorce, but all with different characters from the girl's perspective, and it would be called something like "Crying in the Dark." <laughs> that sounds fabulous. Well, just the names changed, so it wasn't. Oh yeah, it wasn't it was... mum. It was mom. Yeah. <laughs> to try and disguise what was going on. Basically, I was reading a lot of Judy Bloom at the time. Okay. So I had breasts, periods, and <laughs> just, just pissed off a lot of the time. Yeah. So um. This one, I remember writing, so I must have been about... I'm saying I was 13, but I'm actually not sure. But I remember going to Cornwall for a week and being so inspired by the ambiance that I felt the need to write well, a book Well, that was going to be one of my questions, actually. OK. Had you recently been to Cornwall? <laughs> because it is obsessed with Cornwall, this book. Do you think it's um, got Cornwall running right through it? It does. It does. Um, but we can get on to the Cornwall theme a bit later. Okay. So could you tell us what it's called then, Soph? It's called An Author's Influence. <laughs> uh, it's 38 pages long. 
Yeah. Three chapters with a prologue and an epilogue. Because I've actually put that on the front, haven't I? You did. Yeah. You did. Yeah. So we're under no illusions here. You've covered all bases what, here. What you see is what you get. Yeah. Okay. So let's see how far we go with an author's influence by my 13-year-old self. Quote, prologue. Have I spelt prologue right there? I think so. Oh, right. Well, impressed already, but I obviously didn't spell it right before because I've scribbled it out and rewritten it. No, I did study that. You wrote epilogue the first time. Oh, did I? Oh, gosh, you really have done your homework. I have, yeah. Have you ever worked for forensics? (laughs) So here we go. Feel free to stop me whenever you want. Your input very much is um, is what this podcast is about. So, the book meant nothing, especially from the music. Sorry, especially when the music from her Walkman blared out all her concentration. Blared? Do I mean to say blared out there? I think you do. Blared out all her concentration. Yeah, she kept listening to the tune rather than reading the words. But did it? can it blare out concentration? Surely blurred would have been a better word. Um, never mind. Uh, she kept listening to the tune rather than reading the words. Oh, there you go, preempting me. Also, she could hardly keep her mind off Jane's. She pulled the earphones out and slammed the book on the table. Oh, dear. She's a feisty one. <laughs> She thought, we're not introduced to any names at this point, so it's very much in the first person, isn't it? Yeah, it's a strong opening, and then you really get to the heart of it with the next sentence. Do I? She thought that taking a vacation to Cornwall, England, just for for the American audience, I think, I've just put that was going to be a quiet and peaceful start on her new book. Her being the author, of which the influence is going to come later, I would imagine. The cottages were so beautiful in Cornwall, She picked the one away from every other next to the sea. She would just look around the scenery and write about how Louise could find Peter stranded on a lonely beach after leaving his ship, Lonely Forte. (laughs) That was also the title of the book. There you go. Two birds, one stone. I I can guarantee you I had no idea what Forte meant. So I just have to say here, you do go on to what is quite a complex situation that I was going to ask you about. Okay. Um... So just just carry on for the reader. I think um, it will be helpful to get you, Ed Payne, the author's uh, view on, on what comes next. OK. She would just look around the scenery and write about how Louise could find Peter stranded on a lonely beach after leaving his ship, Lonely Forte. That was also the title of the book. She had planned it. Audra Beckett would try to steal Peter away from Louise and they would sail away to Cornwall, again, where Audra would send Peter through living hell. (laughs) But Peter wanted to get back to Louise so that they could live together. But Louise, after hearing the news that Audra had flung herself into the sea, takes Peter to Cornwall, again, (laughs) for a short break when all the terrible memories of his life with Audra flood back to him and it drives him insane, upon which he too flings himself into the choppy sea. Whereas Louise just died of depression. <laughs> she just died of depression. It was the perfect set out. It was a typical love story, you go on to say. It I'm was. not sure. Uh, no, so let's just pick through this. So we're, we're, I'm not really sure how this triangle works. So Audra, whoever the hell she is, trying to steal Peter away from Louise, 
Then they'd sail away to Cornwall. No, no planes, trains and automobiles here. Where Audrey would send Peter through living hell. Right. But uh-huh. Peter wanted to get back to Louise. So he didn't want to be with Audrey. So that they could live together. But Louise, after hearing the news that Audrey had killed herself, then takes him back to Cornwall for a short break when all the terrible memories come back. And then he kills himself and then she dies of depression. And this is just, um, this isn't even in the story. This isn't your story. This is your character talking about another story. This is just the book. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like a real page turner, doesn't it? It does. And to be honest, there's no need for you really to read it because I've given everything away there. You have, yeah. And it doesn't exist either. No. So it really does take the reader uh, off guard. She's not even even written it. No. (laughs) She's planning on writing it when she's in Cornwall. So, new, there's a new character comes in here. Natasha, spelt. Yes. So, I'm, I'm guessing she must be a, 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 a foreign character, possibly European. Natasha, spelled N-A-T-T-A-S-S-J-A. I think I went on quite a lot of holidays to France in this season where a lot of Dutch people were there. I think that's where I got that from. So, Natasha loved writing tragic love stories of torment and heartbreak. Much like Ed Payne. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Her other books consisted of, oh, here we go, Get Your Library Cards Out. <laughs> Lo- <laughs> this sounds like a um, a Bonnie Tyler back catalogue, if I'm honest. Consisted of <laughs> Lost Soul, It's a Heartache, and Hellbound. Hellbound sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds like she's really yeah. coming to her stride with that book. Yeah. I think that's probably where, um, do you think it, it might have included the same sort of trio of characters or I mean they did all end up dead so it would be hard to bring them back well it could be a prequel it could be a prequel or it could be Audra on her way to hell you never know that's true I mean she said she'd make his life a living hell so she would. And it could just be a deep dive into that time we'll never know unless perhaps a, a synopsis comes later on who knows so yes it was true Natasha Jennings was a famous author Answering your question for you there, Soph. Yeah. Just a case. famous author whose Walkman just drowned out the book. <laughs> blared it out. Blared out of concentration. Completely blared it out. Yeah. And now this damn book meant nothing. She had read a long paragraph. I've just read a bleeding long paragraph. It's taken me about 30 minutes. The key to the whole book. And she had not taken any of it into turn the page her brain (laughs) okay so Rebecca Turlington was about to get knifed by Jake her neurotic boyfriend what's this now I've got no idea I think this must be a book that she's reading yeah it's like a sea of literature here yes it is all of it really quite depressing yeah she took a long look at the author's name brandished across the front cover Elizabeth McKee the novelist to end all novelists the grandma a passionate love tragedy. The grandma of passionate <laughs> love tragedy. I mean that I mean move over Barbara Cartland if she was still alive. The maker of exciting steamy novels and the queen of erotic drama. If, she what, was the best. What did I know about erotic drama? But I love that she was the grandma of it. <laughs> this is Would you in... want to read books by the grandma <laughs> of erotic drama? Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's a tenor lady. Uh, it's just ten eleven yeah. from Bunyan's to Breakfast Time, really, isn't it? Yeah. 
Harmony Blues was her bestseller, and also the one Natasha was reading at the moment. The tale of a young tearaway being locked in a lighthouse for seven days, only to realise that in the tower was a young lady of the same situation. <laughs> of, luck. of the same situation. Rebecca Turlington, oh, what a life. First, she was adopted and then abandoned by her parents and locked in the lighthouse only to hide out and make love with this young tearaway, Jake Hart. Was he locked in there as well? He was. Oh, yes, so he was. Young tearaway being locked in a lighthouse. Well, if you're going to be making love all day... There's worse places to do it. Yeah. Take me to Woolacoon Bay, that's what I say. But, uh, but what happens to Rebecca now, Ed? Rebecca hit the sack. Hit the sack? <laughs> With Lucifer Jenkins. A, wit, a, a rich young lad who is only happy to win Rebecca's hand. <sighs> well, we know Charles Dickens there. For his money. And Jake finds out. And she returns home only to be knifed by crazy Jake. <sighs> it was too thrilling to put down. And just when it was getting good, she was concentrating on her music. Oh, that damn music. That Walkman. I wonder what what kind of tune permeated that amazing plot twist there. She read on, should be a comma, leaving her Walkman aside. If there was, I'm just imagining this woman with like this great big plastic tape player and some dreadful kind of bodice ripping novel. Sort of sat, just sat in Cornwall. What I like there, Ed, in your writing is the attention to detail. There's real uh, attention to detail. Because... As you, as you go on to say, if there was ever three wishes Natasha could wish for, it would to be the second Elizabeth McKay. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <sighs> and then we move on to chapter one. Why? So what do you think so far, Ed? Um, uh, it's, there's a lot of info there, isn't there? Yeah. I wonder what her other three wishes would be. I might say there's too much info in that in that opener for the reader. Possibly. There's, I'm, I'm not really a master of the short, clippy sentence, am I? No, and actually you do come on to some wonderful detail as we go further into the book. Oh. Um, what we're about to come across here is it's perhaps revealing of your adolescent view on what sexy times might be. Right, OK. Well, do you, do you want to read this bit? I will, um, okay. because James was plaguing her mind. She could not invite him to Cornwall because she needed time and concentration. She had to cancel the trip to Cornwall last week because she stayed in bed with James for three whole days, only getting up five times to get food or visit the toilet. <laughs> oh, five and they times said, in three days. They said romance was dead. That is extraordinary. Five They must have... Yeah, I can't imagine it was very pleasant for either of them. Well, Over three days. she was good. She would she would have had to um, kind of multitask there. I'm kind of envisaging that she got food and sat on the toilet eating it. Yeah, and drinking out the tap. That would cover your kind of nearly. Your, well, no, it wouldn't. Not three meals a day, would it? You'd have to. No, no, it'd no. It'd have to be two, two, and then one. Yes, with only one loo break a day. Well, presumably you wouldn't have to go for a number two because you're not really consuming that much food. No, that's true. And maybe maybe they did it in bed. That's what uh, yeah. Maybe that's what you were alluding to. <laughs> um, and she goes on to say that those were the three best days of her life. And philosophically, um, it was that's beside the point. 
Ed. Yeah. Because business came before pleasure in her book, but pleasure always ruined business, even when pleasure was a thousand miles away. Oh, that's I quite, like that, line. that is a quite nice line, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I'm obviously, yeah, I can I can see myself tapping the pencil or the pen on my lip and thinking. Yeah. So why don't you pick up here, Ed, now? Because um, this is where, again, it gets a bit confusing and there's more people stabbing each other. Right. <laughs> okay. The book was finished. It took her an hour to finish it. Is it the book she's reading or the book she's writing? Reading, I think. So Jake stabbed Rebecca, thinking that she died, but she did not. I'm sensing Romeo and Juliet here. Instead, she ran to Lucifer, who immediately sent his best friend, in brackets, Archie Newton, to take care of him. But while Archie is searching, Jake sneaks up on Lucifer and challenges him to a duel. What era is this written? This I must, have no idea. This must be a, a period romance. I mean, a duel. Jake snaps the sword out of Lucifer's hand and it's just about to plunge his sword into him when Rebecca turns around and kisses him. Then the two sleep together and burn. <laughs> burn. Lucifer and his house down. Sorry. Yeah. There, was a, there was a full stop there, which made me think. Meanwhile, oh, God, it goes on. It Archie finds Jake's house and ransacks it. He bumps into Jake without knowing it. And Jake and Rebecca attempt to kill him, but instead... God, I'm, I'm, I'm bored. Archie hangs them both together. That's extraordinary, isn't it? That they can go to kill Archie, but actually, he hangs them both. Well, Lucifer's burnt down, presumably. Why? I'm, I'm more disturbed by the fact that, in amongst all this, they just decided to sleep together. Why did I feel the need to put that in? Because obviously I'd never slept with anyone, so... Surprised that everyone's knifing each other, burning each other's houses down, and and hanging each other. It's like you've got a list of possible murder techniques, and it you're is. going through them one by one. So it is only fiction. It is only fiction. Um, Natasha wiped her tears away because, well, who wouldn't? I mean, after all that, and blew her nose. Nice. Elizabeth was one hell of a powerful novelist. <laughs> is this Elizabeth McKee? It is, yeah. Yeah. The uh, grandma of Jurassic. <laughs> <laughs> she rubbed the tears into her fingers and stood up. She thought of phoning James, but there was no phone on a ferry. Well, she could always have a look. <laughs> <laughs> she glanced down the open hallway where rebellious kids slurped from cans and kicked fruit machines in the hope that some money would fall out. They reminded her of her late boyfriend, Lewis Cage, who had died last autumn. When, when was it he died? September? Why don't you explain now, Ed, how Lewis Cage died? Because I think the detail in this um, really uh, encapsulates your style of writing. What, what um, must you have been thinking while you were reading this? Um, if, you were, if you were happy before, I mean, this is just kind of ruined everything really yeah i was i i, I do find i did enjoy the next piece probably it was most one of my most in, enjoyable um extracts okay so this is how louis louis cage died yeah i'm surprised story needed was dead. another death yeah because they knock they're falling down like flies yeah. he was walking along in the woods with a shovel ready to dig out a short shaft <laughs> down to the once running waterfall why 
The wood was on top of the road, and the stream went down a small mud shaft, entering a hole at the bottom. Oh, there's life imitating art, isn't it? Well, that's, that's also what I thought. <laughs> Where a long pipe transported it under the road and down the waterfall and into the lake. He had built the shaft and was ready to dam off the rest of the new shaft that carried it to the sewage works so that the stream would flow into Louis' shaft. A child psychologist would have a field day. The water went perfectly until there was a mud build-up and it was disturbing the flow of the stream, so Louis dug into the mud, disturbing a bee's nest. Guess what's going to happen next? I'm thinking My Girl, if you've ever seen My Girl. Yeah, you must have just seen that when you were down in Cornwall. Absolutely. A swarm of bees clustered around. He was allergic to bee stings. He died. He had 31 stings. it's very specific, but that's what that's what adds to it. The whole I didn't know you knew so much about shaft building um, in your Hereford teens. No idea. And then we go on to say, Natasha sighed. She knew better than to cry. She had done that many a time after he died. The council decided to keep the shaft as Louis had left it. One interesting note that you'd made there about a local council planning decision. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he had his own plaque there. And what a tribute to such a brave man. Exactly. Ever since that incident, Natasha had been petrified of bees and suffered from hay <laughs> Are the two related? I don't know. Too many people die unfairly. Well, no shit. That's so profound. See uh, pages one, two and three for proof. Quiet. He was 17 when he died. He was the greatest guy. She thought she'd never get over him until she met James. His chestnut hair and brown eyes and his warm smile. Full stop. Everything was perfect. Even his acne was handsome. (laughs) (laughs) That's very sweet. Got to be kidding. Of course, at first, Natasha thought that she was being unfaithful to Lewis. But that soon passed. In November, she and James went on their first date. Santa Luisa High Guys Night. Guys Fire Night. And then it, I've got a little... This is set in the US, isn't it? It must be. Well, no, Cor- it, it, it is, I'm telling you, it is. Oh, it's, it is. Yeah. Well, I've got a little aside here just to explain. All the guys had a big fire invited a special girl to share it with. It was like a big birthday party. So there you go. Okay, good note. Yeah, lovely. It was wonderful kissing by the warm fire. Then back at her house for hot cocoa by the fire. The perfect evening. The perfect couple. By January, they were practically living with each other. And by February, he proposed. God, that's quick. It is quick. But if you know, you know, don't you? Yeah. Although, what happened? Well, life's stranger than fiction, so if I'm honest. She said to ask later when she was ready. And right now, at this moment, she was ready. Oh, right. So she's ready now. She needed a phone. As she searched corridor after corridor, staircase after staircase... Where the hell was she? I thought she was on a ferry. She is on a ferry, yeah. Oh, I suppose there are lots of corridors on a ferry. She thought of their proposal. He was perfect, both a little nervous, but perfect. She had said, well, I'm not sure that I could make that sort of commitment now. I'm sorry, James. You're the greatest guy, but I'd rather keep it the way it is. If you wait a little longer, 
I'll definitely say yes. Sensible, she supposed, and she was glad that she had declined. Oh, God, this is such a bloody strangled route. But right now she wanted to marry him. Well, yes, we knew that from the last sentence. She sat down at the next chair, twisted a strand of her long blonde hair around her two fingers. Have you ever done... two fingers? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds hideous. It was hard to do her writing. Have you, have you ever done that on a ferry? Oh, all the time. Gone corridor after corridor? Yeah. It's, it's a little bit Titanic here, I reckon. Yeah, although she's on the ferry to uh, England, isn't she? Yeah, must be. Which She is, actually. You, you go on to explain her journey oh, right, uh, okay. quite soon, which I'm looking forward to. She cried just like that, burst into tears. What was she thinking of going to Cornwall? And the most, <laughs> and the most crucial moment of her life. She had told James before she departed to hunt for a flat so that they could move in together. Just just hunt for a flat. Just hunt for a flat. Yeah. And this is where it's it, your attention to detail, again, Clicks really comes to the fore. She had driven her silver Vo- Volvo to Santa Luisa Airport, had flown to Orly Airport in France. She then hired a taxi to La Haye and was now on the ferry to Southampton. And she was then catching a train to Bristol and then a train to Appledore. A beautiful little town in southern Cornwall. <laughs> now that she, is planes, trains and automobiles, isn't it? It is, yeah. And um, I wonder why she took such a convoluted route. I think that would have taken her about four days. Well, yes. I mean, it, I mean, was there... Was there no, I, I don't know why she flew to France. I think this is the, these are the days before the um, kind of budget airline. So she was obviously looking for a cheap way but what about all her stuff from america didn't i mean where was it all in the yeah all in the P&O ferry cargo port she to drag it on her back like a camel the boat well. was just about to reach southampton harbour as soon as she got off the ferry she would phone james and tell him to come to her because she didn't realize how stupid she'd been and she needed him right now it would be a good hour before they reached southampton it was half past nine so she decided to get an hour's sleep. Good, good sense, I reckon. So what do we what do we know so far? She's reading a book called Name Escapes Me. She is also thinking about writing a book that's going to be called uh, something like Forte, wasn't it? Yeah, and she has lost her previous love. In a tragic accident that gave her hay fever <laughs> and is longing to be reunited with her lover, James. I wonder how she feels about honey. You don't go into that. That's surprising, actually. You don't go into that detail. No. Well, you never know. It might come later. I mean, there are 38 pages of this. I'm actually just looking at my notes here um, and I'd asked, had Ed recently been to Cornwall when he wrote this or had he just listened to a lot of Reef? <laughs> you wow. were definitely struck by that holiday weren't you oh yes absolutely definitely so let's go we'll, we won't go on too far because we need to end a cliffhanger because obviously this is only part one we don't want to give too much away so um yes Jerry I'll call you at seven it was ten to twelve and some brunette was chatting obviously to her boyfriend down the payphone Every time the woman began to end the conversation, the man seemed to carry it further. When she eventually got the phone, she slipped ten pence in, God, that is old, and dialed the number. 
It dialed for a while, but then the phone clicked and James's warm voice oozed out of the receiver. Oozed out. It's not very romantic. She sobbed. Jimb. Jimb. Is it you? She sobbed again. Yes, it sure is, darling. He said. I need you, she wept. Stay the night there. Where are you? Southampton Harbour. So James knows quite a lot about Southampton Harbour because he says to her, stay at the South Park Hotel and tomorrow morning I'll be there. (laughs) Sweet dreams, honey. He doesn't need to go via France, ferry, three trains. No, he's going to be there in the morning. Yeah. I mean, yeah, straight there. Walk there. It's it's 10 to 12. (laughs) It is. And then... And then the bit, the big question. She says, "Love you, marry me." She whispers. Did he hear that? Oh no! I'll yes, be, he did. I'll be there, he said. And hung up. Hung up. She awoke to the warmth of a muscular chest, and arms around her. She looked right into James's eyes, staring at her. I don't lie, you know," he said. She hugged him tightly and pulled him close. "Marry me," he said. Natasha, Helen, Jennings. <laughs> Will you marry me? Yes, she whispered. The tears rolled down her cheeks. Here in Cornwall, she said. Hell I would, James hesitated. But we're in Southampton. <laughs> they both laughed. Durr. Little Cornwall joke there, wasn't it? Did it did did it did What a perfect proposal. Well, I think Here in Cornwall? Hell I would. But we're in Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> That seems like the perfect place to end. What do you think? Uh, fabulous. I think there's a lot more uh, to come uh, that the listeners will be on the edge of their seat to hear. And there's a lot more detail. Yeah, I'm wondering um, where this shaft is. Because I kind of want to go there. <laughs> It's just almost, it just sounded so lonely. Well, there is a plaque there, that has, so it's being uh, held by the council, isn't it? Yeah, thank God for that. Thank God. And I thought they were... He's So he's not American, presumably. I thought they were both American. Well, well but Americans don't have councils. Who knows? I, I mean, I'm not sure, Ed. Maybe that's a little note that you can make to yourself, yeah. your 13-year-old self. Because, of course, I mean, if this is... We need to tighten the screws if this is going to get published. Exactly. So thank you very much, our stoves. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Same time next week. Same time next week, darling. Love you loads. And you. Ta-da. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Follow the conversation for yourself at Dear Me Pod on Facebook. See you next time. <laughs>